I come in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. The devil is a motherfucking liar. So you know I ain't worried. Biatch. Stupid bitch. Look at that. I'm provoking that, huh? I'm making motherfuckers just hate God more. I'm provoking that, huh? <laughs> you goddamn devil worshiper, you ain't got no excuse. I like to listen to Sick and On. After I have a head of my phone, of my phone, of my phone. I like to listen to Sick and On. After I have a head of my phone, of my phone, of my phone. I like to listen to Sick and On. After I have a head of my phone, phone. If I need to write a song, but it didn't take me very long. Well, now's the end. Uh, yeah. Oh, Adam and Eve. Eve. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Simon. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good whatever. It's me, Kate Rambo. Kate Rambo, um, I'm not sure if you've heard the news, but drinking is not cool anymore according to Vice magazine. Oh, yeah, Vice, who decides what's cool or not. Has drinking ever been cool? Vice magazine is the barometer of everything that's cool. I don't know if you're aware of that. (laughs) So, yeah, no, it's not, because they let me work for them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you did work for them. I forgot about that. Um, What years did you work for them? Oh, my God. I must have been, like, what, 25-ish? So when was that? 2004, 2005? I remember he just sold it like the year before. I was about to say, because Vice Magazine is not cool anymore. And really hasn't been since around 2005. Before I went there, yeah. When it was an actual magazine, it was cool. Yeah, but who the fuck reads it anymore? Well, I don't even think they haven't put out a magazine. It's just been a website. When he left, I think there wasn't even magazines being generated. But I see posts, usually on social. I think I came across this one on Instagram, where it's funny because Vice Magazine will post an article and then just everybody fucking rags on it, slags it off in the comments. So this one in particular, obviously clickbaity, drinking isn't cool anymore. Um, It's a Vice Magazine post. And so then they have a description. So in it, they were saying, I looked up the article. Basically, they want you to click on it to see it. And everybody's commenting like, fuck you, I love drinking. But apparently, there's a, a survey recently from Drink Aware that found that 26% of 16 to 24-year-olds in the UK are now fully teetotal. Do you believe well, that? Well, yeah, of course I believe that. But that's only, what, a quarter? And there's probably always been a quarter of the younger generation that don't drink or take drugs because it doesn't agree with them or they're wanting to be doctors when they grow up or like they're narcs. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's nothing percentage, new. Yeah, there's a percentage of people that probably just aren't into drinking, but I still think that sounds a bit high, personally. Then there's in August. There's another report that found that almost a third of all pub visits are alcohol-free. Again, that doesn't count either because you can go to the pub to have dinner and like be going to work that night or be going to work later like or weather spoons you can go to a weather spoons and just have like a curry and some chips and a and a coke and be like yeah fuck it i'm on my way mate or people get like uh non-alcoholic beers which are popular now like o'duels and things like that 
Yeah. When, didn't we cover this on the second show where we were talking about in Japan, there's like they're putting out all the adverts for them to drink. They're like, please go drink. Yeah, well, I think Japan, uh, because of COVID, a lot of people just kind of stopped going out. And so that's why they're trying to publicize drinking again. But this is saying that there's been a shift, according to these surveys, in, in drinking culture. But so the non-alcoholic beverages market has grown considerably since 2015. Um, but then they found that sober curious searches on uh, Google peaked That's during the amazing. pandemic. So I do think that the younger generation, you know, also a couple, couple, if you think about it too, think about like, you know, people don't have as much extra money now, you know, I think a lot of people are being underpaid, especially people living in cities. And it costs, I mean, just going out to a, a club in LA or going to a bar in LA. Last night I went and saw a oh, show. Yeah. $18 for a Coors Light. Yeah, but you choose to live in a city where that, well, not that you choose to live there, you do live there. But that's uh, city prices, same all over. I go out to a pub and it's like, what, three, four yeah, quid like a beer? Spoons, or you can go like to a Weatherspoons, mate. Weatherspoons is the same price all up and down the country. But that's the thing. Younger people are still partying. I mean, younger people, you know, I, I think there's probably, you know, all different hallucinogenic drugs and there's weed weeds more popular here obviously so i think a lot more people are smoking weed they are all the young kids because i work with a wide variety of folks i work with people in their 60s and i work with like kids in their early 20s like all the kids are doing ching like all of them are just off their nut on beak at the weekend and if you're doing ching you're going out drinking beer at least because you're doing ching at a pub you're probably drinking beer at the pub as well yeah, of course. That's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, so 26% are teetotal. Well, that means like 74% are still Got fucking wrecked. getting blasted, getting wrecked every weekend. Such a fucking stupid article, Vice. They're like, alcohol's undergone a PR crisis. No, it hasn't. Uh, the, look, this Europe and Britain we're a drinking culture we always will be. We've got the pub culture, whereas Europe has the cafe culture. But you will never... I just don't understand what you could do as a sober person here. I know that's a bit like, oh my God, what? Like, of course, I know what sober people do, but it's so difficult. Everyone fucking drinks. I think it's the hardest thing to give up. I do think England probably has more of a binge drinking culture than the rest of Europe. Oh, yeah. We're fucking great at binge yeah. drinking. That's so what is the US. Do. We do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, we weren't given wine when we were 11 growing up and learnt to respect the drop. We're given, like, whiskey when we're teething and told to shut up and then have a backhander. <laughs> yeah, we don't get it till uh, legally till you're 21. Although we start drinking, you know, it's kind of like, it is one of those things you covet because you don't get, you don't get it. It's not easily attainable like it is for, I mean, you guys could go to a, uh, you can go to an offie and buy it when you're, like, 16, right? No, you still have to be 18. And I think that could be another reason why a lot of kids maybe are just choosing it. Because back in my day, nobody was IDing me. And I looked fucking 16. I've always been baby-faced. I've always looked young. It, and even now, like, you've got to look over 25 to buy booze. I still get ID'd. They ID me. What? Are they, like, I love it. I'm or not something? complaining. They are those thick glasses. I'm joking. It, I, you know, my thick glasses. I can't remember. Like, I'm at the age now where if someone IDs me, I'm like, thank you. Thank you for IDing me. You make me feel young. <laughs> and then you Never shuffle happens. off with your little cane. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're going to, I couldn't imagine if, like, if the younger generation 
is is sober now. How how the fuck would I ever get laid? Alcohol is the is the only reason I've ever been laid. You know, Alcohol, mean, <laughs> the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. You know, personally, I don't think vice is cool anymore. It really isn't. Alcohol is oh. so cool. Is that D. Simon's hot take of 2022? Vice is not cool anymore. No, you all know my hot take of 2022. You all know it's not cool, and I know this is going to be controversial. Okay. Pornhub. Pornhub's not cool anymore. We talking about Pornhub is starting a, a movement um, to take over Instagram. Fuck Pornhub. Why? I'm done with Pornhub. I think the what site's happened? algorithm is purposely fucking with me and I'm over it. Oh, why were you trying to jack off to something and it just keeps suggesting like midget porn and you swear hands down you've never once looked for midget porn? I watch one fart clip. One fart porn clip. Just one. Okay, maybe two. But that's it. There was two fart porn clips when I was stoned looking seeing. at porn. And now my entire recommended for you section is just all fart porn. Well, that's what you're going to have to get into now, mate. You can wank to anything. You're a man. No, okay, I wasn't. I was doing it for science. I was curious because uh-huh. there was, there was a uh-huh. picture of a girl that was very cute. And I was like. There's no way she rips loud farts. I, I just wanted to find out. I wasn't like, I wasn't, I wasn't aroused. I didn't have a boner. I still had my pants on. Did she rip a loud fart? Yeah, she did. Surprisingly, I was like, wow. I, I, I mean, obviously, girls can rip farts too, but I just this creature did not seem like she would emit such a such an awful sound. You know, such an impressive uh, flatulence. I, I didn't that's, think it would happen. That's so actually a lie there. Uh, women can't fart except when we're on our period. I, I don't know. I don't know. If that, I didn't see this one having a tampon string. She was just ripping farts. But th- once again, I wasn't watching it that closely. It was a couple seconds. I'm like, all right, I'm uh-huh. done. Now, fucking Pornhub uh-huh. thinks I'm obsessed with, par- with fart porn. And so the other day, I was like, you know, fuck this. Because the recommended for you section is usually my go-to. I like to go there because I don't have time. I don't have time to go through all the other, you know, search three hours for the perfect video. I just know if it's recommended for me, that's probably what I'm going to jack to. So I go there and I'm looking and I'm like, okay, okay. Fucking 30 videos here and 26 are fart porn. Fuck you, Pornhub. And so then I went in. I started searching for like teen, you know, threesome, cream pie, J-O-I. I was like... Well, whatever, teen threesome. I, I was like mixing it uh-huh. up, you know, seeing if like I could get some other videos being recommended to me. Still predominantly fart porn. Can I just say this is the difference between men and women. You're just like, I don't have time to look for porn. I just I just want what you're going to recommend me. I need to come in 40 seconds or less. Whereas women are like, I don't even need porn, mate. I can just like shut my eyes, get the dildo out, and I'll probably will have come in like less than a minute. Well, I think the other difference between men and women is how often have you been online searching for men fart porn? <laughs> Again, <laughs> never. Although, never, say never. Could just videos of men just ripping ass. Doesn't happen. But dudes obviously do this. Not me. Not me. Uh-huh. I was Jenny doing it once the, for science. For science. Um, but dudes obviously, because, I mean, there's, thousands of these videos it's a definitely a fetish so i'm thinking thinking of writing pornhub a screed like because <laughs> okay. i mean this is aggravating i can't even use their site anymore and then you know i was thinking about it and i started writing a screed maybe i'll share it to the patreon but then i was like fuck it fuck it i'm gonna go back to red tube or UJIS or something there's a plenty of options 
without these vindictive algorithms, you know? That sincerely isn't. Pornhub is the best. Pornhub has it just right. I like the way it looks. I like everything about Pornhub. I'm not using any other porn sites, but Pornhub. You lost my business, Pornhub. You blew it. You blew <laughs> what it. business are you giving them? It's free. <laughs> well, you're my traffic. You know, Harrison was a was a premium member. Like he paid for it. Harrison <laughs> had a community of people. Remember how he used to? He would mention it. Uh, he definitely mentioned it on the Patreon. How he would talk to people, and they would all share folders. Yeah, he of, was like, a that premium weird porn that they're into. He he used it like a social media site, so he could meet other like-minded perverts. Yeah, he did. I think he was probably more active on Pornhub than he was on anything else. Do you think they had a treehouse? That they'd all go and like, <laughs> no, I think they would do the British thing they were, where they would leave their pornos out in the bushes for the other kids to find and discover. Rest in peace, Harrison. Maybe. You know, I'm thinking my browser might be possessed by fart porn demons. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Do you think it is? <laughs> No, I'm thinking maybe I should look for a digital exorcist, like an online internet priest who can come and exorcise the fart porn demons out of my machine here. I think that's what Gary Glitter was looking for when he took his uh, broken computer to PC World to be fixed. Don't look on the hard drive. Do they have an uh, internet exorcist there? I think that's what he wished he'd had. <laughs> anyway... That's my most creative segue I think I've done all year here. Yeah, I think, <laughs> Do you think so? Like fart Happy porn Halloween, everyone. <laughs> straight into, yeah, Spooktober. That's the, uh, I've been planning this for about a week now. Is this Farttober now? <laughs> He's starting to think. I, be, I didn't make that up, though. Seriously, if you go onto my porn, porn hub, it is like recommended for you section. It's like fucking 15 fart porn videos. I'm, I'm sick Well, stop it. watching them. I don't watch them. I watched it once, just one fucking time. You said two before, Chinny Reckon. Barely watched it, two, like two seconds of the other one. <laughs> anyway, on the show this week, we're talking about demons. We're talking about murder. And we're talking about a particularly violent exorcism that took place in Osset, a town in West Yorkshire, October 6, 1974. A man yeah. by the name of Michael Taylor, who is allegedly possessed by demons. I'm not sure if they're fart demons, but be- demons nonetheless probably fart demons. Um, But he was allegedly possessed at the time he killed his wife and uh, the family dog. I know. Whenever anybody, you know, when you hear about human beings being killed or anything, I'm always a bit like, oh, well, it happens. But when like the animals are involved, you're just like, you want to chuck something at a wall and be like, why are you so horrible? Why did you do that? Like you didn't have to kill the dog, Billy Cook. You didn't have to. Really uh, pulls the heartstrings. It does. Uh, but anyway, before we get into all that, quick word about the Patreon page. We really need you to support us on Patreon. We do. We're begging you. <laughs> we're not begging. <laughs> but we're asking you to support the show. You know, this week we had a couple new patrons sign up. Um, I forget their names. But we did have Hello. a couple new patrons. And, uh, we did. I, yeah, and I, we really do appreciate it. I mean, we noticed that. we get and, uh, You know, Kate usually like goes and hits you up and uh, sends you a, a welcome message. Um, but, you know, seriously, if you do like what we do every week, what, what we've been doing for over 16 years, you know, we ask that you sign up for the Patreon and, uh, you know, give a little back. Just support the show. It's directly helping us, you know, keep the show going for every week. And we're not just asking for a donation. You know, five bucks a month, you, uh, you, get, you get the second show. We do two full shows here a week. It's a double shot of sick and wrong. Uh, this week on the second show, 
Uh, we're going to chat about uh, an incident that occurred last night at the uh, Viagra Boys concert that I went to. I went to a Viagra Boys show. Um, but uh, there was an incident that involved a yeah. punk legend in a very obscure horror film. One of the greatest horror films ever made. And this is like one of the reasons I do want to move to L.A. is to meet people like this, to just to meet a hero an outside a fucking hero like this. It's 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 random shit does happen because everyone lives here. Uh, you can also hear the details of my finger surgery that I had this week. Uh, spoiler did not involve my butthole in any way. So don't even ask. And it goes for it UK is- Rambo. Don't don't I didn't stick it in my 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 butthole and sit down and break it. It wasn't like that. <laughs> it is his wanking it hand, though. It is what my wanking hand, and it's affected me. Not as much as Pornhub, though. Fuck you, Pornhub. Fuck you. I've um, also made some overkills free to listen to at the minute, just um, for, for Halloween. For we're making treats. teasers. And also, uh, you know, for a few bucks more, you get not only the overkill, you get the, uh, the archives, the, fir- the first 10 years of Sick and Wrong. So patreon.com slash sick and wrong. We do appreciate you supporting the show. Here's a quick uh, second show teaser uh, that, that we're hoping will convince you to sign up for the Patreon. And uh, then we're going to get into the story of the demons of Yorkshire. And I don't know, like, I'm sure you've BV. been with girls that uh, they just have a strong... Feminine odor. It doesn't mean that it's it's bad. It's just like they have a really strong pussy smell. I, I've, I've had that before. Not necessarily oceanic. No, no, it's just strong. But a strong scent. Right. Yeah. And, and so it also I, depends on what time of your cycle it is as well. That, that's another... She's, oh, well, she, and yeah, this she is a good point. said a good that point. she just got, all, like, just got done with her period. Well, then she should. It should all be tickety boo, as the uh, Brits say by then. Like I can tickety boo. It's like a Mary Poppins thing. It's all tickety boo. Tickety boo. Yeah, it should be tickety boo because your hormones are totally at a natural level by that point. I could understand like it tasting like tinier, like you know, like a bit more metallic just before your period. I wasn't tasting it. And when Joe smelled it, he made a tickety boo in his pants. So, so I think my initial, my initial did you recoil like did your head like snap back nah, I think my initial thought was like huh well some are a little bit stronger than others patreon.com so the Yorkshire with its rolling dales that's hills for people um, who were imagining just lots of people called dale rolling around as an aside I've never met a nice dale they've all been really weird what about chippendales they're weirdos too. They're like they're chipmunks who wear berets and jumpers. But no, not I was the talking about the strippers, trip, Chippendales. Oh, the strippers! <laughs> I've never met a Chippendale in real life. Do they exist? I've only met a few ex Chippendale dancers who became managers of strip clubs. That's usually the way it works. <laughs> well, it's all the same biz, isn't it? The Yorkshire Dales is also where the Bronte sisters wrote Mad Wang Bank Fantasies. It's where the humble Yorkshire pudding was invented. It's also 99% full of shithole, one-horse towns that hold no prospects for those within. And what does the devil do with idle hands? On August the 15th, 2021, Mark Barrett, who is 55, murdered his wife um, Elaine at their home in Winmore. Oh, Eileen, sorry. He came on Eileen in Winmore, Leeds, hitting her about the face and head with a hammer before strangling her to death using his rat-like Yorkshire hands. I've met many Yorkshiremen. Everything I'm going to say about Yorkshire is true in this. Do they all they have like little Jew claws or something? He's got little rat hands. He definitely has. Hmm. You could just tell if you see a picture of this guy, you'd know what I mean. 
He denied murder. He instead claimed manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility, saying that he had spiraled into madness due to the years of torment that he had faced trying to exercise her, his wife of the demon that possessed her. I think the only demon possessing her was uh, him, Mark Barrett. The good judge Andrew Hatton told the court in August of 2022 during the sentencing, your account of demons is utter nonsense. It's a fantasy to pull the wool. Killing her was your intention. Killing her was your final act of control over her. I wonder, I wonder what his lawyer thought of this defense here. You know, it's pretty bold to go the uh, the whole demon possession defense in this day and age. Very much in this day and age. Uh, well, it didn't fly, did it? He was sentenced <laughs> to life imprisonment. He's got to serve a minimum of 21 years. His son, who was the one who found his mother's battered body on the sofa, said his father was an arsehole. <laughs> That's an understatement. I think he is. So this is 2022. The idea of demons or being possessed by one are not worthy in a court of law, or so you'd hope. But in 1974, in the same Chateau County of the North, things were very different. So the entire country was awash with satanic panic, and other murderous husbands might have used this to their advantage. So, so the demon possession defense probably could have uh, worked well in the 70s. I think it did 60s. work well for a few folk. For those who don't know, uh, I am within spitting distance of Yorkshire, but it's the largest county in Britain from 1975 until 1980. It was in the grip of the terror of a maniac roaming the streets who was taking out the prozies using Black & Decker's finest. The entire country was under economic collapse due to the recession. There was the Troubles, aka the war with Northern <laughs> Ireland, which was now escalating. We were being bombed on the mainland because of it. Planes are falling out the sky. Mines are exploding. ABBA wins Eurovision. There's rolling blackouts. There's the three-day week. Lord Lucan is mysteriously disappearing. Roger Moore is the man with the golden gun. And in Yorkshire, well, it's grim up north. It's dreary. And it's also demonic. Very demonic. Ted Hughes, uh, the poet laureate of Yorkshire. For those who love Sylvia Plath, uh, I actually prefer Ted Hughes. I think he's a much more evocative poet. But Anne Sexton is better than both of them. He described Yorkshire as having spectacular desolation, a grim sort of beauty, and only the rain never tires, which are all very nice poetic ways to say that it's a bit of a big, empty shithole that is nowhere near as beautiful as Cumbria. And the emoji at the end would be an upside-down smiley face, because I am in Cumbria. There's a rivalry between us, for sure. All the northern towns have rivalries. Yeah, but you guys are... But don't you all kind of unite together in your animosity for the south oh yeah like if we were to go into if it was to be north versus the south in a battle the north would win because we're just used to being the underdogs and like they're all just namby-pamby richos down south we would just annihilate them i think i think there's more like deep-seated resentment and just anger in the north yeah we've got the chavs as well like all our chavs are just way harder. They have to use knife and like knives down uh, down south to kill each other, whereas we'll just like break a bottle and that's you dead. Weren't you just upset because all the uh, birds are more attractive down south? That's not true. What you talk? You're married to a northern bird. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> Uh, instead of Leeds, though, uh, this story will take place in what people would call a sleepy town. But obviously, I'm going to call it a shithole of Osset in West Yorkshire. And it's actually just down the road from Wakefield. I mainly know Wakefield because of the band The Cribs. Do you remember The Cribs? 
know if I know the Cribs. You know their one famous song. They had a famous guitar song from the early noughties. When I send you this afterwards, you'll totally know them. But I had a Cribs like best of like live DVD for some reason. And every gig, Ryan, the lead singer, would just be like, we're the Cribs. We're from Wakefield, which is uh, the only reason I know them. Was, like, is that like bragging rights or from, something? Yeah, being proud of being from fucking Wakefield. No one's <laughs> proud. There's about 20,000 residents. It's just another market town in the north where houses are still affordable. There's nothing for the kids to do apart from murder people. Because just recently, on the 3rd of September, five people were arrested for the stabbing death of a 41-year-old man. So what was that I was saying before about uh, idle hands? Idle hands in Osset turned to murder. Were they possessed? I don't think they're going down the possession route. This has only just happened. Fart demons. Fart demons. Yorkshire has its own fair share of ghost stories that haunt the grand mansions and cottages, even going so far back to the 12th century, with repeated sightings of a full Roman army at the treasurer's house, which is just behind York Minister, or famously 30 East Drive in Pontefract, which is uh, reputed to be haunted by some of the most violent spirits and spectres in the known universe. It's a very famous uh, haunted location. Abandoned in the 1970s by the family that lived there, the Pritchards, after the daughter Diane became the center focus for a poltergeist known as the Black Monk. The house has stood empty ever since, although you can pay local ghost tour guides 75 quid to stay in the council home, the former council home overnight. Having spent the night on plenty of council estates in the north, 75 quid is a bit steeper, <laughs> if you ask me, when you can just go down to any old offie, get some white lightning and a box of backy and just knock on rando doors until somebody lets you in and you can have a party. Have Remember you seen... how excited you were when I took you on a council estate for the first time? I still get excited, but I also get excited going to the offie. You do? That's yeah, your we favorite went, part we went... of the north. Yeah, you took me to the Amphi and then a whole tour of the, the, the council homes in the area. Well, I live near what uh, is particular. Well, I live kind of near it. It used to be one of the roughest council estates in the north. It's called Raffles. And it was so bad that they actually demolished Raffles. And then they sent everyone who was living there to all parts of Cumbria and the north. They were just like, we're rehoming you because it was that rough. And now Raffles is like, all right, you can walk around it. Definitely didn't seem that bad compared to... Uh you know, residential housing and uh, the projects here. Yeah, but again, they haven't been demolished and rebuilt. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Well, so have you seen the movie When the Lights Went Out? Baby, when the lights go but out. I, I guess it's so. a documentary about uh, um, uh, 30 East Drive uh, in Pontefract. And so they bought the house uh, and uh, opened it to the public. Okay. And so what's weird about, you know, 30s Pontifact is like, unlike the accepted version of most poltergeists, you know, recording the energy of children to, to make havoc like the movie Poltergeist, the one at, at, at number 30 is still purportedly in resonance. So the, the owner of the house says they recommend that you don't visit. And if you do, uh, you should fully appreciate that spirits are not performing monkeys. So he's saying you so, don't you don't want to piss it off. Oh, so you couldn't sit there and like bait the black monk. Well, they the reason they call him the black monk is because this specter, this uh, this this you know phantom masgoric figure appears wearing like black robes, and I guess he's like he can be 
you're very confrontational and violent. Like people have heard, like they've come in and they've felt like rashes on their neck. They've they felt fingers on their neck. Mm-hmm. Um, he's destroyed things. He's pulled purses away. He I kind of want to go check the place He's out. walking around in black robes and he's touching ladies on their necks. He sounds like he's, you know, for a good time. People say they've been pushed across the room. But it's funny, if you go to uh, the website, because I was looking at the website, where you, it costs 75 quid. You don't have to yeah. stay overnight, but you can. You have the option to do it. They're like, we don't guarantee that there's going to be any kind of you know, specter or phantomagoric uh, activity. You know, we, we, we don't guarantee that there's going to be spirits. So it's just kind of like, okay, is there just some, you know, half-wit shaking bells and like you know, breaking glass or something in a closet. Like, I just pictured it to be kind of a scam. You know what we should do the next time you're up in the north? We should do it. We'll dive down there, and we'll go for the night, and we'll film it and put it up on Patreon. They allow you to film, so you can. You could do a whole, we could do a whole live uh, live show from there. Yeah, we'll do it on the Patreon. We'll do that. So Yorkshire, this is the setting for a murder most foul, the tale of woe that surrounds one of history's most apparently demonically possessed men, Michael Taylor. Retired police constable Ian Walker said, of all the incidents in which I was involved in for 30 years of police work, nothing affected me like this one. The stupidity, the futility of it all, the complete and utter waste of life. Destruction of a family, not to mention the death and other traumas are beyond anything else I have ever come across. In 1974, living in Osset was 31-year-old Michael Taylor, his wife Christine, they had five children and they also had a family dog. Uh, rest in peace to this dog. What type of dog? It, it, was, it was a poodle. Oh, it was a poodle. You like poodles. Well, actually, uh, the, my dream dog, as well as having German Shepherds, which I think is unfeasible because it just is, but I really want a black mini miniature poodle, and I want to call it David Barkowitz. <laughs> I want to be are you gonna sh- shouting at my Davids in the house. Are you going to carry that uh, that mini poodle everywhere? It's not a mini will- poodle. It's a full-size poodle, right? No, no, I want a mini poodle. I don't want a full-size poodle. I want a mini one so I can carry him. I want to put a little spiked collar around his neck and I'm going to make him growl and I'm going to like make him learn other tricks where I'll just be like, can you hear Satan, David Bogowitz? Can you hear Satan who's a good boy? <laughs> so I've got it all planned out. The, the Taylor family, they were well-liked by the neighbors. They were remembered as being a happy household, but no one really knows what goes on behind closed doors, especially in North. Michael was described as mild-mannered, cheery, and a kind and loving father, but he was prone to depressions. That's not shocking for the times. Pretty much all of the country was under a black cloud, and with a family of seven to provide for, he must have felt immense stress and pressure. You know, probably struggled to hold down a job. This is a tiny town. They've got no money. Found it difficult to hold down long-term work because he had sustained a severe back injury a few years before, and he was also in chronic pain. You know, I've been to the north. It's a pretty depressing place. So I'm not surprised. Yorkshire's depressing. (laughs) Everyone from Yorkshire's going to be like, you fucking bitch, Kate. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Cumbria is just as depressing. If Michael had been planning to slay his entire family, then he'd never shown any obvious signs, but no one had also offered to help either. Again, this is the 1970s. They didn't have better help or whatever other like mental health services that podcasters, uh, you know, do adverts for. Yeah, I was about like to say, like, did they even have like therapy back then? 
they don't even have therapy up the north. You still, you just have to bite your lip, the British spirit, have a cup of tea, just get on with it. It'll all be fine. I thought therapy is like a lager. Shadow <laughs> yeah, whiskey. exactly. That's who it is. Therapy is like a fancy name you give to a cat <laughs> in north. So the family had recently, well, Michael and Christine had, had joined up with the Garber Christian Fellowship Group. They'd started attending meetings after a friend, Barbara Wardman, suggested they join because pretty much the whole town was religious, which is creepy. And you know, if it's a small town, there also isn't much to do. It's the 1970s, so there's even less to do. There's no Netflix and chill back then. And the couple kind of loved the laid back approach to religion and they converted after one single meeting. Do you know how many meetings it would take to convert me to a religion? God, I don't even know. Like, you have to have a lot of booze, a lot of porn, a lot of ching, then maybe. None of them. I would rather, I would have to be dead before I became a religious person. Although I will join the Church of Satan just to be a card carrying member one day. After this, Michael grew very close to Marie Robinson, the 21-year-old pastor. Within weeks, his depression has lifted. He was regularly attending meetings of the church. He became a very active member, spending what some townsfolk were whispering was an inappropriate amount of time with Marie. There's a lot of backyard gossiping going on here. She's 21, and she's a pastor. That seems a bit remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but again, there's not much to do, is there? Like wonder, when you're growing you, up in a creepy religious town. Yeah, but do you think she looked like a typical northern bird? I think she looked like a Yorkshire bird. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. So uh, I had to do a bit of research about this sect of Christianity because, yeah, I'm, I was raised without religion. I haven't even been baptized. So the only things I know about religion, aside from like what I've learned in school, is, is like the internet and you, because you know a lot about religion. But I say that this is 100% a cult that they were joining. I fully concur. Um, this, so this is a particularly, I don't know how popular it is now, but it's kind of an obscure sect of Christianity. And I was actually kind of surprised that they'd have it in England, but then I thought about it. It's like, I don't know. I mean, Christianity is rather pervasive. And what's weird about England in particular is you guys kind of like expelled the nutters. They came to the US. Like you kicked them out of the country. We did. And you, know, you you took that and ran with it. Yeah. And so in the US, they come here and it's like, now you got a bunch of religious nutcases and they're like, we're going to make even nuttier religious, you know, religious groups. So they started like making all these whacked out fellowships. So then you have like these Christian fellowships, like, uh, you know, like the snake handlers, these Pentecostal, yeah. you know, um, fellowships and these churches that go around, they handle snakes. You got the ones that speak in tongues. You got the ones that actually believe in exorcisms, even though the Catholic Church does as well. But you have like all these like splinter groups of Christianity and some of them much more insane than others. But anyway, they they kind of came back to England and Europe. But I mean, you do have Pentecostal groups in uh, in England to this day. I don't know how popular they are, but they, they do exist. And so Barbara Wardman here in this small town had had become involved with a local group that called itself the Christian Fellowship of Osset. Well, um, we have a fellowship church in Carlisle. I've always wondered about it, and people always say that the people there are nuts. Well, that's Actually, I'm, I'm wondering. Go. I'm wondering if if they're uh, a group known as Charismatic Christianity. So a lot of the fellowships, especially down, that was very popular in the '70s. They were involved with this. I guess collectively, this movement is called Charismatic Christianity. 
um, also known as spirit-filled Christianity. And it's a form that, that emphasizes the work of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, such as being able to perform uh, exorcisms, um, and just miracles that happen by God. Uh, the practitioners are usually called um, renewalists or charismatic Christians. Um, mm-hmm. And they, what they tend to do is they're the ones that they speak in tongues. You know, they, uh, they, have, they, they fall on the ground and start shaking. Um, I don't think the, the, the snake handlers were, they're Pentecostal, but the snake handlers aren't um, charismatic Christians, I don't think. But there are several movements. So there's like the, um, the Pentecostals that started, then there's the charismatic Christians, and then there's the third wave that happened like in the 80s, kind of like late 70s, 80s, it was called the neo-charismatic. And they're, they're into speaking tongues, faith healing. Um, they believe that yeah. God and Jesus gave people like, like um, uh, Marie, 21 years old, gifts so she could actually speak the word of God to people. I mean, okay. they're, they're full on insane. And so, you know, it's, it's odd that, uh, you know, that it spread to, to England. But I mean, that's kind of what happens to Christianity. I, I think especially in these small towns where there's fuck all to do. You know, you get together the community and it's like, you know, everybody's sitting there like speaking in tongues and shaking on the ground. And I think you feel that you've had some kind of like spiritual fulfillment there. And so, yeah, like in the, in the late 60s, 70s, charismatic Christianity was spreading throughout England, throughout Europe too. And then there were a lot of these like independent evangelical charismatic churches known as fellowships. So I'm wondering if, if in Carlisle, if that is one of these, these charismatic uh, churches. I mean, they're all over the U.S. too. Uh, yeah, I've heard the one in Carlisle. They definitely speak in tongues there because I've nearly gone to it just to see what it would be like, but I never have. It's also a church that shares its space with like the Seven Day Adventists, and it's also a synagogue too. Yeah, well, that's probably because there's just not that many uh, worshipers. But yeah, they, these churches actively practice exorcisms. They speak in tongues. They use the power of God, which they feel is a gift bestowed on certain people to rid people of their sins. So Michael and and his wife, Christine, they went to a service that was conducted by this 21-year-old pastor, Marie. And uh, during the service, Marie became distressed, shaking wildly as she was overcome by the Spirit of God, started screaming out and speaking in a strange language, saying that the Holy Spirit was possessing her. And so this, this whole practice is called glossolalia, which is a prominent feature of the charismatic movement, but also Pentecostals too, is, is the speaking in, in tongues, which, I mean, whatever. I've never actually seen great- it. Obviously, I think it's bullshit, but I've never yeah. seen it. I would, like to, I would like to hear it. I would like to see, go to a, if I, can, if I had a chance to go to one of these services, I'd love to just witness it. I think glossolalia is a great stripper's name. Yeah, it kind of sounds like uh, makes me sound sounds like an African American girl's name. Glossolalia. <laughs> <laughs> I think atheist preacher. He grew up in um, West Virginia, and I remember when we did the snake handler episode. Uh, you remember he rang in talking about oh yeah, been to snake went... handling. Hmm. So that so later they went to a, a a meeting at the Taylor's house because I think Marie Marie Robinson was welcoming them. And at some point during the service, people noticed that's when Michael became very animated. And so he seemed to be in a grip of an unknown force. While they're at the service with Marie, he was shaking violently. He was uh, shouting out strange garbled words. And so the group was kind of disturbed by this. 
but but uh and one of their members like even started like crying but marie knelt in front of this member that was crying placed her hands on her head and performed kind of like a mini exorcism oh my god yeah on, on someone that was distressed and her voice grew louder and christine and michael were watching this and as she put marie put her hands on this this worshiper who was at this this service as her voice grew louder, Mavis, this woman, began to writhe uncontrollably, becoming more animated and swearing at Marie, telling her she hated her to leave her alone. And then she eventually calmed her down and got the, the demonic spirit out of her. This is all very uh, snake oil to me. This is like Jim Jones when he would have, you know, his own members of his congregation be in on it. And, you know, he's like, I'm going to rid you of cancer while he chucked chicken liver at them. This is what this feels like, like to me. Yeah, like it's it's like they had they had someone that was like a part of it. Like this is part of the routine. Like she 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 planted this woman there, yeah, to like totally. become affected by the service. I know it sounds it sounds suspicious to me too. Michael and Marie they began to have private rituals, which I think is slang for something else. They would stay up all night making the sign of the cross to ward off evil spirits and powers that they believed were coming from the full moon, but. In Yorkshire's defense, you know, this is Yorkshire and you must beware the moon. There's one of the greatest films of all time. I mean, I think, yeah, especially yeah. if you're American and you're in Yorkshire. You've got to play CCR loud. I imagine their rituals were like the front cover of a William Seabrook or Dennis Wheatley book. It's like all tits out, frotting, satanic cosplay. Uh, actually, somebody uh, on the Facebook group sent us a link to the Process Church Rings. So thanks to that person, uh, oh, we should yeah. get some. Did you see it? Are those the ones that kind of they kind of look like a like a swastika, right? It's more yeah, it's like more like a, a an iron cross. An iron cross, say. yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I did see that. I thought that was really cool. We should uh, get matching ones. Oh, we should. Everyone, new wedding rings. And to everyone in the town, and to Michael's family, it soon became apparent that him and Marie were in a relationship together. If they're not fucking, it's definitely an emotional relationship. Although had, um, Marie had apparently rejected his advances early on, claiming that when she rejected him, it was a victory for the Lord. So I think she's a virgin, but she's like a feisty virgin. Well, how old was uh, was Michael? He probably was in the 30s. He had a couple kids. 31. Right? He's 31. She's 21. So he's got this like, you know, Yorkshire bird, young preacher lady who can do exorcism, has gifts from gods. Imagine the blowjobs she could give. Well, you know, blowjobs are a, learn, are a, a practiced thing. She wouldn't be good at blowjobs. Not when it's a spiritual gift. No virgins gift. are good at sex. Come on. It's a, it could be a spiritual gift, you know? <laughs> from God. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say it's a spiritual gift from Satan. And that's what I got. <laughs> Michael's attitude towards his family life, it was changing. He was spending less and less time at home, of course he was. And when he was at home, he was sullen. He was often in a bad mood. He was argumentative for Christine and his kids, which all sounds very familiar. <laughs> and Christine, who was managing the house on whatever income she was providing, as well as caring for five children and one adorable good boy. She reached the end of her tether when Michael didn't obey the two-sponge system. When he, when he didn't obey the two-sponge system, that was the final straw for her. And I can, I can relate to Christine in this moment. I can imagine. 
during a church meeting, she had the big northern balls to publicly confront Michael about his relationship with Mimri in front of everyone. And I bet this moment was just so juicy. And it was like everyone in the town was like, <gasps> you know, like drinking their tea and then talking about it for weeks afterwards. Scandalous. That's a scandal right there. Yeah. Good on you, Christine. Michael reported that in that moment, he felt an evil shadow was cast over him. And as if he was compelled by some unknown force, he vented his sudden fury, not over his wife, but over his saucy preacher. Ooh. He slapped her several times. He screamed. He backhanded her. Yeah, the gloves are off. He was probably screaming about what a cock-teasing horse she was. Victory over the Lord. Marie said, I suddenly glanced at Mike and his whole features changed. He looked almost bestial. He kept looking at me. There was a really wild look in his eyes. I started screaming at him out of fear. I started speaking in tongues. Mike was also screaming at me in tongues. I was on the verge of death and I seemed to come to my senses. I knew that only the name of Jesus would save me. And I just started saying over and over again, Jesus. When Christine heard me calling out the name of Jesus, she started saying it too. And I believe firmly that that was only by calling on his name that I was not killed. Obviously, uh, he's instantly forgiven because it's like the power of God or whatever. Well, that's how it works. Instead of being shocked. Yeah. So after this incident, obviously there's some gossip in the town. Uh, But the townsfolk noticed that Michael's behavior became stranger and even more erratic. Uh, He'd walk around muttering things to himself. And just became really angered whenever he saw like a cross or any kind of religious iconography. It's me. Um, yeah. It, it actually sounds quite a bit like you. Uh, a neighbor even spotted him wandering the local streets in this like disoriented state. He was spitting on the ground and he told the lady, look on it as milk. And then he demanded that she drink it for it was the milk of human kindness. Gross. <laughs> And so, obviously, his wife became very concerned. And so they went back to the fellowship for guidance. Because that's what you do. Under the watchful eye of the preachers and the creepy wicker man residents of Osset, instead of shopping Michael to the popo for battery, they decided that what he really needed was an exorcism. (laughs) His sanity had been slipping since the incident in church, and two ministers, Father Peter Vincent and Reverend Raymond Smith, were called in to exorcise him of his demons. Yeah, it's like, who needs to take him to, like, a psychiatrist? I mean, why? You can just do an exorcism, because that's obviously the problem here. It is what's wrong with him. So, on the evening of October 3rd, um, Christine and Michael went to a meeting that was led by Reverend Peter Vincent, uh, the Church of St. Thomas at Gauber in Barnsley. Was oh, Barnsley. Barnsley, shithole. Absolute <laughs> shithole. Now, Vincent was a very well-respected figure in the whole charismatic movement. Um, and he introduced that whole thing to his congregation uh, earlier that year. And so when he first laid eyes on Michael, it was very clear that something was amiss. There was something mm-hmm. profoundly wrong with this guy. And so he invited Michael to make confession and he performed like a minor exorcism. I like how they can do this. They could do like a major one, do a quick little mini one. And uh, just kind of like what Marie did on that woman in the, uh, um, at the service, the home service. And so he, he did a mini exorcism and then he was like, okay, you know, Taylor's can go back home. I think that's fine. 
You know, I, I did many exorcisms trying to see what kind of demon we got, what, what we're dealing with. So Michael, when they came back home, was almost too afraid to sleep. And he kept begging his wife not to leave him alone. And that night, they both made the sign of the cross repeatedly over each other in an attempt to ward off any kind of evil spirit. So even, I think at this point, Michael is pretty fr- freaked out. And I couldn't imagine a wife. You know, it's like I you're would... about to take your husband to an exorcist. <laughs> Wouldn't you be like, maybe me and my five kids and the dogs should just go stay at my sister's for the weekend? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I would definitely t- put the kids in a hotel at this point or call up, yeah, call up his aunt or their aunt. So a couple of days later, October 5th, Michael returned to the fellowship for another meeting. Now, the, at this point, the group was like, okay, this, there's something, this guy's whacked. We, we got to call Reverend Vincent. And so they drove to the vicar's house, and the vicar's wife, Sally, was there, and she welcomed both Christine and Michael into their home and was like, you know what, we can, ha- we can have some food. And so that's when uh, they, they called over Raymond Smith to come check him out and provide a second opinion. Because I, I think they still want to do a consultation before they do a full-blown exorcism. I think that's still how it works to this day, isn't it? Yeah, I think they want to check it out and see if it's for real or if the guy does have, like, you know, very apparent mental health issues. Obviously, okay, I think yeah. you do, even if you're <laughs> speaking in tongues, yelling about demons. But you could still see as, like, you know, it, is this a quote-unquote demonic possession. So they called over uh, uh, Raymond Smith, the Methodist minister, and he arrived with his wife. And so they're all sitting down, eating dinner, and then Michael took his plate and just smashed it to the floor when the vicar's cat walked into the room. He didn't like animals, this guy. You're talking about 1970s British cuisine. I would also take my plate and smash it to the floor in anger. (laughs) Yeah, what was it? Like bangers and mash? What do you guys, you guys, don't you guys eat some kind of weird pie? Like, what's that called? That pie called? Shepherd's pie? Uh, shepherd's pie is not weird. You have shepherd's pie. They probably had a toad in the hole. We'll go with toad in the hole followed by spotted dick for dessert. I do like some spotted dick. Here's some Yorkshire pudding. That's probably what it was. Um, anyway, the cat walked in the room. Michael flipped the fuck out, screamed at it. He like smashed Aww. his plate and he tried to, like grab it and rip its fur off its back. And then he just threw it. Like, yeah, he threw it like through the window out of the house. And then, and then, you know, everybody was looking at him. The Reverend Vincent was like, what the fuck is going on? Like everybody was shocked to him. It was clear. Mike was possessed by something very evil. You know, we got to do a full on exorcism. And so Reverend Smith was the first one to speak up and he thought it was best that they consult a doctor. So this guy actually did have some sense. Everybody else is like, we got to do an exorcism, get the crosses, you know, get the restraints, get the holy water. Reverend Smith, the Methodist, was like, you know what? Maybe we should consult with a doctor here because this guy's obviously mentally disturbed. However, the wife, Christine, was worried that calling medical services would even cause more distress. And so she she and everybody else at the table, other than Reverend Smith, was like, we got to do an exorcism. We got to do it right now. You know what? Somebody would be possessed, possessed with my foot up their ass if they came into my house and tried to like manhandle Chi Chi. Yeah, I would kick him out. Yeah, I I would be killing them. I love the fact his wife is like, oh no no, we can't bring the ambulance. Um, that might distress him, but an exorcism won't. Could you imagine like he throws that cat out the out the window and then in walks Caliban? 
<laughs> it's like <laughs> the dude could just lose it. <laughs> That's like a classic comedy sketch. It's like a Laurel and Hardy thing. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> At midnight on October the 5th, uh, they summoned the Taylors to the St. Thames Church in Barnsley, which is a confirmed shittle. They restrained him to the floor and they began to beat the devil out of him. Because that's better exorcism. than just going to the hospital. Yeah, it's like an old-fashioned exorcism right there. As soon as they began the ritual, Michael went into uncontrollable convulsions and fits. He had bouts of scratching, spitting, and biting, meaning that they would gag him from time to time. He growled, he screamed, he frothed at the mouth. They shoved crucifixes in his mouth, and they burned the wooden cross uh, that he wore against his chest, like scarring him. They waterboarded him with holy water. And then they spent eight long hours performing the exorcism before stopping it due to exhaustion on the morning of October the 6th, saying that they would rid him of his final demons at a later date. Although they didn't listen to one witness and member of the congregation, Margaret Smith, who had watched the exorcism when she told the priest that she had received a warning in her mind that a demon would escape from Michael and that they should continue on with the exorcism. So this exorcism was, it wasn't just like a two-hour thing. It's like eight hours all night. The, the, the both priests tried to you know, cast out all the demons. And, and not, not just, you know, I'm not talking just one demon. You know, like oh, the exorcist. No. I forget, the, was that Pazuzu? I forget which demon possessed her. But that was like one demon. This guy had multiple demons. And he was screaming and, and cursing. Um, at one point, he shouted out the demon name Incest. In a strange guttural voice. So it made me wonder, I bet you his recommended for you section was just all step, you know, sister porn. Well, he does have five children. So in the chances of one of them diddling the other in the 70s, come on, it's pretty high. high. Yeah. Yeah. It would be revealed in court that one of the preachers present that night believed that they had rid Michael of over 40 demons. All demons that were the cause for incest, bestiality, blasphemy, lewdness, hearsay, uh, masochism, and carnal knowledge, which are all things that you enjoy in your downtime. You forgot fart porn. That's in there, too. And the fart porn demon, too. (laughs) The fart porn demon. They left that in him. (laughs) They were like, leave the fart porn demon in him. They weren't strong enough to catch out the last uh, three of the demons, though. So these were the ones that caused fart porn, murder... (laughs) violence and insanity like wouldn't they be the free where you're like okay we'll just keep going just to maybe get i don't know the murder one out of you and you can live with violence and insanity for a little while like let's just rid this man of the murder one yeah exactly you'd think you know you'd go for murder violence insanity first and then go focus on the bestiality the lewdness the the heresy the masochism you do that after like i would go for those big three you know I love that apparently uh, to Christians, there's a demon that causes you to be lewd. <laughs> like, what? Michael and Christine, they went home to rest. Uh, they're ready to begin the final exorcism the following day. And what occurred in the household? Only Michael and his demons are the ones who have lived to tell the tale. 
At 9.45am on October the 7th, just two hours after being sent home from the church, a crowd of onlookers were watching as PC Ian Walker was passing in his patrol car. Michael was naked, he was covered head to toe in blood. As PC Walker stopped his car and approached Michael, he sank into the fetal position in the middle of the road. He was ranting and he was screaming, it is the blood of Satan! It's the blood of Satan! Over and over again, which is a pretty rocking thing to be caught saying, I think. Well, it's funny because uh, Ian Walker, uh, the, the police officer here, he got a weird call before he went and investigated, and he thought it was a prank. Uh, the caller claimed to have seen a naked man walking through the streets covered head to foot in red paint. And so Walker and his partner were like, seriously? And this, especially in like Austin, how often does something like this happen? And so they got in their, their patrol vehicle, went and... Uh, found out that, yeah, there is a guy covered in something red walking around naked. You got a bit of red on you. What I love is that everyone's there just like in a crowd going, oh, I know him. Oh, I went to school with him. Or like, I know him from local co-op. But nobody's been like, can we sit him down and like, I don't know, get him some water or something? He looks a bit fucked. Yeah, but don't you think if this happened in your town, there's a good chance you might know the person who have seen him before? You totally will. 20,000 residents, tiny. Yeah. You'll totally know him. Uh, yeah, and they did because they rang the police and they also knew where Michael Taylor lived. So when Michael was being loaded into the back of the ambulance, still screaming about Satan the whole time, PC Walker hauled Yorkshire tea drinking um, ass, which is the most superior tea in the British Isles, by the way. If you can drink Yorkshire, it's what I have in this household. So it's what you drink. What's the, wait, what's the difference between Yorkshire tea and, I don't know, what's the other one? What's the other tea that everyone drinks? Only somebody who doesn't live in Britain can ask what the difference in the teas is. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's all fucking it, tea to me. It's, it's, a green it's kind. different. There's the, uh, the other one, the orange one. PG Tips and Tetley are probably the two other big brands. But no, I'm uh, Rington's is a big Cumbrian thing, but I'm Yorkshire tea through and through. Good on your Yorkshire for inventing Yorkshire tea. I got to say, you, you had me develop an affinity for tea just being there because... You're like, you know, when, you know, especially, you know, I'd be working all day and like after lunch, you'd be like, would you like a cup of tea? And I got used to it. It's got caffeine. It keeps you going. Yeah. A cup of tea in the afternoon. Although I make uh, tea the Scottish way. So I've taught you how to do it the Scottish way, which other British people would be offended by because I put the milk in first. Yeah. That's what I do usually now. It's what you've got to do. And we're going to get a... People will, can get offended by anything I say, but I've probably said the two most offensive things I'll ever say there about tea. <laughs> It'll be true. So he, he's hauling his ass to uh, Taylor's home, and he was greeted at the home by the local police sergeant. And he was actually surprised to see him there because as far as he was aware, nothing about the Taylor's house had been rung into the station, just that they'd seen. So he, he yeah, doesn't they'd know seen why the nutter he's there. Walking around, you know, covered in blood. But they know, yeah, I don't think they, and he wasn't even in front of his house. So the PC and the sergeant, they're outside swapping notes and DI Brian Smith emerged from the house. He's dry heaving. He's got his hands on his heads and he, on his head, and he warned the two officers not to go inside. He asked PC Walker if he had kids, which he did. And the DI then said, then you're not coming in. You don't want to see this one, son. I see not like it. And I've seen a few. He'd have been much more gruffy. Imagine Peter Sutcliffe. That's probably what he sounded like. <laughs> you know that if hard-boiled detectives are warning you not to go see a crime scene, 
that it's going to be pretty gnarly and you probably should uh, like listen to them and not go see the crime scene. But PC Walker, he was young, dumb, and full of uh, Yorkshire cum pop bravado. So he pushed past the DI who was in the middle of saying, it's the wife, she's got no... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and he's into the bloody crime scene. The blood that actually covered Michael that everyone thought was paint was Christine's. Sometime before 10 a.m., before they'd even boiled a kettle, the most horrific act of violence was brewed up instead. Using his hands, because there's no evidence of any other murder weapon and none used on her, Michael tore off his wife's face down to the bone. He gouged out her eyes and he ripped out her nagging tongue because I know for a fact Christine's from the north. Uh, I know she was a nagger. She probably had good reason to be a nugger, though. See, I can kind of relate to that. I can, I can picture her being like, it's two sponges, two sponges. You use both sponges, one for dishes, one for washing the sink. Like, I could she see sounds, that. She sounds pretty reasonable to me. <laughs> but yeah, that's the crazy thing, thing, though. It's like police were searching the home for a murder weapon. Because how could you do this, inflict this much damage to someone with no weapon? But there was no weapon. Did it all with his bare hands. Yeah. He had smeared what remained of her face, the pulp and blood, over their happy home. She actually died by choking to death on her own blood. That would have been when he tore out her tongue. But it wasn't just her gristle and grime that was now part of their new style of home interior. Michael had strangled and then torn apart the family good boy. He ripped the legs from the sockets of this dog, gouged out the dog's eyes, pulled out his teeth and hair. So we don't know the good boy's name i tried i looked for a few old newspaper articles but we're gonna christen this poodle puddles puddles the poodle that's a good name puddles the poodle died he was a good boy his remains were found uh, laying next to the mutilated corpse of christine what's the deal why does this guy not like animals I know, a little poodle as well. Like, I'm telling you, I don't even own David Borkowitz yet. But one day, I will own David Borkowitz. And if anybody harmed him, I'll murder them. Yeah, I don't get it. So down at the police station, Michael told D.I. Smith all about what had happened at the exorcism. He said, it was a long night. They danced around me. They burned my cross because that was tainted with the evil. They held. They had me in the church all night. Look at my hands. I was banging on the floor. The power was in me. I couldn't get rid of it and neither could they. They were too late. I was compelled by force within me to destroy everything living within the house. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Probably. D.I. Smith asked him how, his, how he felt. Michael said, released. I am released. It is done. The evil in her has been destroyed. Well, okay. So he didn't even think he was possessed. He thought she was possessed. I think maybe, well, he'd been left with those three tasty ones, hadn't he? What was it? Violence, murder, and insanity. Okay, so he's showing sense. all of that. Yeah. Then he went to sleep for a really long amount of time. I can relate to that. I have at least one day a week where I'm asleep for 17 hours. While he was on remand, he kept a low profile. Or he was also asleep. He slept a hell of a lot. Various family members having lost their mother and father in one day, they raised the five children. I wonder what the kids were thinking. What's happened to mommy, daddy? Where is her face? Yeah, I mean, they obviously thought their dad was mental because he was like an irritable fuck. Isn't he like running around, like, you know, smashing dishes, screaming at the cat? I would definitely think there was something. I don't think I would be like, you know, going to a cricket game with dad. 
It would be, uh, you'd be kind of relieved as well because you could stop finally making the sign of the cross whenever anything happened. <laughs> just doing that quick swoosh. You're just like, oh, I'm just so over it. I'm bored of it. Stop it. The crime and the upcoming trial, it was a sensation. It took Brits away from the blight that was currently covering the country. Because like things like that don't happen here, let alone happen in a very small northern town. The media frenzy, that was a possession alone. Millions of papers sold with headlines such as exorcism turned loving husband into killer and man in trance killed his darling wife. Right, I've seen pictures of Christine and she's not what I would call a darling. I'm, like, I'm sorry, Christine, I know you're dead and you died really bad, but she's she is not a handsome woman. Was she more know. attractive before or after the death? Uh, yeah. let's just say not much was changed <laughs> just, we'll just go down that route the country was hooked on satanic panic and with a fever they awaited, they waited for the trial and in 1975 he was tried for the murder of his wife and the good boy Budos the bar uh, barrister for the prosecution even stated at the trial the evidence that they were about to hear will make it difficult to believe that you are not back in the middle ages Neither side tried to deny that Michael was a few loops short of a full bowl of Fruit Loops. He even testified himself, which proves how crazy he is. He claimed he had zero recollection of the killings, that he deeply loved his fishwife, Christine, and that evil supernatural forces had commanded him to kill. Did, did, I mean, did they diagnose people with schizophrenia back then? Yeah, he could still be schizophrenic back then. Although the laws of schizophrenia, not the laws, the uh, what is schizophrenic has drastically changed. Yeah, the, the definition for sure. The defense tried to discredit the the church, saying that they were more of a fanatical cult and that they had used mind control and indoctrination over Michael, describing the church as neurotics feeding neurosis. The prosecution claimed that the exorcism had taken its toll on an already mentally disturbed man. And with the warped religious ideas and ideals, they pushed Michael over the edge into madness and murder. The barrister even stated that the real guilt lies elsewhere. Religion is the key. Those clerics in particular should be with him in spirit each day that he is incarcerated. Which is a fair point to make. That, that makes sense. I think that's a, a viable defense because... I mean, they, they could either say, you know, obviously he's insane and he was, you know, he's incompetent to stand trial because he's like, you know, completely insane. But you could say it feeds into it because he's already schizophrenic. He's already suggestive. And then you have a cult that's like feeding him all this, this, this information. Yeah. Throughout the trial and in the years that followed it, the chief Anglican priest who had been in charge of Michael's exorcism, Father Peter Vincent, continued to insist that Michael Taylor had indeed been inhabited by demons and that it had been an authentic case of demonic possession. Father Vincent's career in the church was unaffected following the case. He actually got a promotion the following year. And even he seemed to be almost having little consideration for a family destroyed and the horror of what happened. He would only simply say... God will bring good out of this in his own way. Maybe. Whatever happened to the kids? Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's a pretty vicious thing to say about your murdered mother. God will find some good in this. Again, I would uh, put, my uh, put my foot in his ass and tell him to exercise it. <laughs> Peter Vincent's partner and 
uh, exorcism, the Reverend Raymond Smith, uh, seemed to admit that the situation had not been handled well and that the exorcism had indeed failed. He said, if people come to me in trouble of any kind, I will try to help. I will give such comfort as I could. But I'm only an ordinary human being with human failings. Well, this guy, you know, for a religious figure, he, he seems sensible. He was the one that was like, yeah, maybe we should get a doctor in here before yeah. we do the whole holy, you know, the, the whole burning of the cross and the and the, the eight hour exorcism, you know? Yeah, he's not there saying, God will find some good. Trust me. It's like, yeah, I'm just a man. Did the best I could with what I was given. The aftermath of this trial, it meant a death toll for exorcisms performed by the Anglican Church, or at least uh, they vowed that future ones would maybe be kept more private. The fellowship did not, nor will they ever, make a comment about what occurred. Crazy cults. Michael was found not guilty of the crime uh, of murder by reason of insanity, and he's sent to Broadmoor Mental Hospital for two years, where Peter Sutcliffe, David Copeland, Charles Bronson, Ronnie Cray, and Ian Brady, both uh, Ronnie and Ian, were currently serving life sentences there. Which, At the uh, same time? One day stock its hall. You know, side note, when I was uh, I was looking up who was in Broadmoor, yeah, Ronnie and uh, Ian were in at the same time. Because Ian mm. was arrested, what, 64? And Ronnie was late 60s? So Yeah, but this would have been, what, like 75, 74? This is 74. Yeah, they hated yeah. each other too. I know that. So I was looking up Broadmoor because I'd heard that it closed. Um, so in January of 2020, West London NHS trust is selling the site with one possibility being that it might be turned into a hotel so you could stay in fucking brahma where all these these insane people were wow i i wonder how much renovation they're going to actually do well it's been completely demolished because oh, uh, okay. i was looking at it on pictures so if we do have any lis- uh, listeners in berkshire who live nearby who can fill us in on what's happening like uh, yeah send us a message or call in i'd love to hear like if you live near broadmoor and what they're going to do with it. Yeah, I wonder what uh, they did when they tore it down. Like, could could people go and, you know, could you go in the, you know, get like a, you know, padding room, you know, padding that they use the rooms or a straight jacket or an examination cool. chair? I think it was Parkhurst. When they were updating Parkhurst a few years ago, they did an auction of like all the really old Victorian stuff that they still had. And I really was like, oh my God, I want to go and buy just like an old gate from Parkhurst. But Oh my I God. I mean, they probably had like lobotomy tools, all sorts of things. Of course they will have. So it's just a demolition site now. Michael spent two years in Bradford Royal Infirmary, uh, Bradford, total shithole, before being released apparently cured and just sipping, slipping back quietly into his old life in Osset with his five children. Well, that's the mental. Depre- it is mental. They're just like four years in the nut house and you're done. Yeah, but he like you know, violently murdered his wife, their mother, in a very grisly fashion. Why would you be like, yeah, sure, let's just have him be the dad again. Let's put him back in the happy family. It's kind of hard to like find like a lot of research about Michael because he did keep it wasn't like he came back and started giving interviews to like Phil and Holly like he was just very quietly went back to life so who knows I mean who knows if he had all five children but he definitely there are children some of his children talk about him Hmm. so he was involved in their life 
The depression that hounded him for years, it was still possessing him. There would be four suicide attempts that would follow. They included cutting his wrists and jumping from a bridge, which actually only furthered his chronic pain uh, issues because he broke, I think, his hips and his wrists and they never healed properly. So now he's got chronic pain everywhere. Well, they obviously didn't exercise the uh, suicide demon. Oh, yeah, that was another demon they left next yeah. to the fart demon. Yep. A couple left. So Michael lived a quiet life, too, until very recently. In July 2005, he was arrested for sexually harassing and having inappropriate conduct, conduct with an underage girl. So 16 is the age of consent here. So this girl is under the age of 16. During his court hearing on those charges, he was said to have told police that it was all his fault. And then he said, am I going to Broadmoor for killing my wife? Well, so he did recognize the charge. I think uh, Michael is uh, a bit of a con man. He spent a week in custody and his old mental problems resurfaced once again. Uh, But once he was bailed, they mysteriously disappeared and his previous charges were deemed to have had no bearings on his current case, which I get. I mean, he went, served his time, got out. They can't use that against you. He was charged with three years of community service and he had to undergo, finally, psychiatric treatment. And since then, he slipped back into Yorkshire life where the devil remains idle and waiting for the next victim to come his way. Yeah, I wonder if like his neighbors are aware of who this guy is, that they're living next door to a mentalist who murdered his wife and puddles, poor puddles. Poor puddles and is now sexually harassing underage girls. This is a tiny town. So 20,000 residents, and if you're going around trying to be a nonce, you're not going to have a very good time. Well, it's interesting to me. I mean, I wonder what, I wonder what became of Marie, you know, the uh, the yeah. pastor, or Barbara Wardman, or some of these other people who are involved with this cult-like church. But it makes you wonder, like, what can cause an otherwise nonviolent man to gruesomely murder his wife and butcher his wife? Like, what can cause that to happen? You know, I mean, obviously, I don't believe in any kind of like possession or demonic possession. No. I, I think the guy had like anger issues, you know, mental health violence, problems for sure. mental illness. But I do find it funny that later on when he's locked up for doing a, another nasty crime that he can suddenly, you know, bring back all this spitting and like a, pretending to be possessed when it suits him. I find that very intriguing. But it seems like the exorcism here kind of did the reverse. I mean, sure, might, got, might have gotten rid of some demons, but it sounded like it, it made him worse. I think it did. And even more violent. You but, know? I mean, 2005 was a long time ago now, and there's been nothing about him. So he's obviously not committed suicide. He's not died. That would he's be interesting there. to try to find this guy. Have they ever done a documentary on him? I couldn't find anything. But do you know what we should do? When we go to uh, Pontefract to go to stay at the house that night, we'll drive through Osset. And try to find Michael Taylor. We can probably, it was probably so easy to find the Taylors because it's like I'm from a small town. There's probably only 10,000 more people in Penrith and ev- everyone knows everyone. And nowadays with Facebook, it's so easy to find people. All right, this is what we should do. Let's go okay. to Osset, pull a YouTube prank. I'll, I'll get <laughs> naked, I'll cover myself in like fake blood, and then I'll just kind of walk through the street being like, Satan did it, Satan, and see what happens. I think, yeah, we should do it on the anniversary. In fact, isn't it the anniversary pretty much now, October the 4th? 
All right, next year. Next year, we got a plan. People, it's episode 864 here, Sick and Wrong. Um, We got some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I was just pleasuring myself to your podcast. Hey, sick and wrong listeners, want to add some spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com and you'll get 50% off your purchase, free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, I cannot even mention it on this podcast. Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkouts. Love you, boys. Now I'm going to go back to having some fun. Oh. Oh. Okay, Rambo, we got a couple phone calls to get to. People, you can call the Sick Wrong Hotline, 323-522-4032. Or you can email us, sickwrongpodcast at gmail.com. We've been getting a couple of really good phone calls recently. So I do do appreciate that. Uh, A couple I'm going to play next week. But yeah, it's Spooktober. So call in with some spooky-type Halloween-themed phone calls. Let us know what you got going on for Halloween. Scare us. I want yeah. to be scared and scarred. Yeah. Call in about your demonic possessions. Let us know about your fart demons. <laughs> All right. Uh, first call here is uh, well, it's a two-parter. Uh, it's from your fake mom. Nice. I've missed my fake mom. She was like one of the first people I re-added when I got let back onto Facebook. Yeah, you are. You're back on Facebook. But you're back on Facebook with a new account, right? Your old one is deleted. My old one is gone forever. Uh, gone. May that rest in peace. They couldn't exercise the demons from my old Facebook account. Well, it sounds like they did exercise the demon from Facebook, but she's back. Yeah, baby. Hi, D. Hi, Kate. Um, I thought I'd phone to let you know that I've got a new crush. My new crush is Major Tommy. Did you notice him? He's Prince Charles, or should I say King Charles's equerry. And he was the one that was walking in front of the coffin um, and was sort of, I think he was in charge of those guards that actually put her coffin in the hearse. And I must say, they were all really fit as well. I actually think the army did some kind of beauty contest to choose who was going to... um, carry the queen's coffin because they were definitely in the top seven weren't they they were at least an eight out of ten all of them um, one of them died just... well one of the people who carried her coffin yeah the eight uh, the youngest one the 18 year old has died and i when i was reading about it i was like oh i would love it if there's like some ancient egyptian like tutankhamun curse where anyone who touched the coffin of the queen dies in mysterious ways what do you have like too many alcohol pops some fentanyl or something 18, I would say, yeah, there's either an accident, isn't it? Like he was driving his car too fast on a country road, or he just had like a random heart defect when you die at that age. I do love how uh, your fake mom is getting aroused while watching the Queen's funeral. <laughs> yeah, like, that's why I, she's I do my wonder mom. how many people wank to the, queen, the Queen's funeral. 
I didn't obviously I didn't watch it uh, I was actually at work that night because some of us had to work that fucking bitches uh, I always got told that when the monarch dies you get a full day off but apparently not apparently some of us have to go to fucking work well, they, so they, I, I was it, asleep that day I know we talked about this but wasn't it up to your employer yeah which is bullshit yeah, well. if you noticed the rest that weren't given such a privileged position. They were probably ones and twos. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah I the think there was a the bit front. of um, sort of good-looking privilege going on there. Um, I have to say, loved watching all the soldiers and all the different armed forces. Just, it was so good um, and made me quite proud to be British, really. It was, it was just lovely, all that history and tradition. And I know it probably cost a lot, but I actually don't care. It was great. Um, however, I do think Putin probably looked at it. Well, I think he probably watched the whole day and he saw Biden not knowing where he was, looking like he was about to... Well, to be fair, I was surprised he actually made the service and I thought, do you know what? They might as well throw him in now as well, save everybody coming <laughs> to America next year to sort him out. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if, if uh, Biden was just like, I'm going to miss Princess Diana. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Where's she gone? Where's the queen gone? Uh, what, what, what are we doing? Who, who's bar mitzvah? Yeah, you know, I wonder if, uh, I mean, whatever. His wife is, you know, she's she she has the wherewithal to know where they are. You know, I'm, th- I'm sure she, she was just like, we're plane. at a funeral. Just look somber, Okay. Um, but that is kind of funny. I, I could imagine Putin just like watching this whilst shitting in a briefcase. Just like, <laughs> have you heard he does that? He shits in a briefcase. Why does it go and get sent away to be tested? He's worried that it will get sent away and get tested. Oh. So he's worried that like anywhere he goes, you know, they might actually be trying to get his feces to find out if he has stomach cancer or tests and see what's wrong with him. So he carries... Like a suitcase filled with this shit. You know, during like the Cold War, there was a lot of um, shit slinging between America and Russia, and there was a lot of mistruths fired about, such as maybe that the leader of a country was shitting into a briefcase because he was paranoid that the Yankees would get hold of his shit and test it to see if he had some form of cancer. You remember during up. the Cold War when that happened, D? I don't think Putin is out there shitting in briefcases. How many things do dictators do that you're just like, yeah, that's a little bizarre. Look at fucking Kim Jong-un. All the weird he, shit he does. And, oh, yeah, and but he's Putin weird is right man. up there with Kim Jong-un. Look at Omar Gaddafi. Look at Idi Amin. These guys are kind of wacky, bit eccentric. Wouldn't be surprised if someone's like, yeah, Putin carries a suitcase filled with his own feces. Putin lives in an apartment block in a tiny fucking small apartment. He is using his bathroom. He is not keeping fucking briefcases full of shit. I've heard when he's home, when he travels, that's when he uses the suitcase. I'm pretty sure that a lot of them do that. Like, Who else shits in a briefcase? There's something going on with the president of America's shit. I think Biden just shits in his depends. I was about to say he totally wears a nappy because he's so old. <laughs> yeah, I think he I think he has his adult diapers. But Putin doesn't wear the adult diapers. He has a special shit briefcase. Well, do you know what? Considering they're very similar ages, you would never know that. 
because Putin looks great. You know why? Because he's a little man. Maybe. I think he's also quite a bit, like, well, I don't know about healthier, but I think he's led a more active life. Um, I don't know. How old is Putin? Putin's like 71, 72. That's my theory of Putin, why like Russians love him so much is because they all die when they're like 40. And like here is a golden god that has made it. Well, how <laughs> made old is it Biden? Up to 70. Like, Biden's like what, 94? Oh, he's got to be at least 126 now. <laughs> he looks like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> but anyway, um, I did think that um, Putin's probably just looked at him and thought, Right, well, America's no threat with that in charge. And then I think he's looked at all our soldiers and thought, yeah, and the Brits, they're a bit gay as well. So I think this might be my time to take over the world. Anyway, I'm um, going to go now. Um, for, but I do need to tell you as well, before I leave, that I've completely forgiven Prince Andrew. Um, I thought, you know what? The amount of abuse he probably took from the crowds that we didn't hear. I'm pretty sure that like every five seconds there was somebody going, nuts! And um, he just head, held his head up high and, you know, he was quite dignified really and I felt quite sorry for him. That's the only part of the ceremony <laughs> no. I enjoyed. The most dignified nonce on the planet. <laughs> Well, this is this whole funeral has made her has, has made your fake mom quite emotional and quite forgiving. How many people are like, you know what, Prince Andrew, you're okay in my book, yeah, nonce. Your mom died. You're forgiven. Don't worry, son. I'm sure most Brits are still like, oh no, he's a cunt and a nonce. Yeah, and I also still hate the Queen because she spent twelve million of our fucking money protecting that nonce. Well, that's your money, so you did it too. God damn it. Um, and Harry and Meghan as well surprising I, d I don't hate them anymore I was really thinking they were pains in the arses as well but again completely redeemed themselves and I must say you know I'm back to being a royalist I know you're not Kate but I don't know where you get your £2.50 a week or a day or what have you because I read in ooh there's a, there's a part two. Oh, it's a cliffhanger so well, you said it's £2.50 a week or £2.50 a day of every, or every £2, paycheck? £2.50 a day that is spent, like of our money. So wait, your paycheck the... takes out £2.50 every day? It's something like that, £2.50 a day. So 60 quid, roughly, 60, 70 quid a month is, comes out of your paycheck? It's like it's all to do with like national, I'm sure it's to do with the, like the national insurance. That's like usually where the, the money goes. Hmm. I just pay my taxes, man, and they just tell me what they spend them on. And I'm like, crime? I want more of it. Stop spending money on it. But a good portion goes to the, 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 the well-being of the royal family. Yeah, which I don't want. Like, let me have that money. Like, if we're going to have a royal family, I'm cool with that. But let them fucking work and have jobs. Like, there's plenty of other countries where the royal family works and, like, they don't fucking take money off um, the proletarians like me. Is it? And does the Queen of Denmark, does she have a job? Or is she the really fit one? There's a really fit one. Well, I was reading one of, the, one of those countries, I thought it was Denmark, just stripped uh, her grandkids of their, their lineage. Good. Yeah, no, they wanted to. They didn't want to, they're like, ah, we don't want to deal with all the royal stuff. Oh, good for them. Royal fitness. We just want to be normal people. I'm sure they still get money, but I thought that's the way it worked with any kind of king and queen or figurehead like that. Like the people just pay taxes to support them. 
Yeah, and it just shouldn't be that way. Nah, I think they all should be uh, it's old working regular jobs. Yeah. Down at the offie with you, Queen Elizabeth. At the daycare, you know, with you, Prince Andrew. <laughs> Sorry, I got cut off there. Um, no, Kate, what was um, reading was that the royal family actually only cost everybody £1.29 a year each, which is... That's nothing. A pound twenty nine a year, and you're bitching about that. I'm sure it's not that. a pound twenty fucking nine. A pound twenty nine. That's one quid twenty nine pence a year for your for your queen. It's definitely not one pound twenty nine because they've got we've got, we pay to maintain all their properties too. We pay for her to travel. We pay for their fucking trains. We pay for their plane fare. We pay for them to travel the world in our honor. It's not one pound a fucking year. And do you know what? Even if it is a one pound a year and I'm wrong, because yeah, I can be wrong a lot of the time. I want my pound back. I don't want my money going on something that I'm not happy for it to be spent on. I want more crime, I want babies to have guns, and I want all the royal family to fucking die. I want Putin to take them, murder them, kill them, and then we can be free with our new daddy Putin at the helm. Well, then who's going to pay for Prince Andrew's next trial? Oh, when he diddles more children and (laughs) fake mummies there going, I think he's a rather dignified nonce. (laughs) (laughs) A lot less than what you think they're costing you. And I thought, do you know what? Maybe if you know that, you might get a bit more on the royal bandwagon because it's a bit of a bark. Well, no, that's not going to happen. She's on the Putin bandwagon. I tell you what, like, I will probably turn to religion before I turn to the royals. I think you'd worship Putin. Well, you already do. I think you worship Putin before you'd you'd, uh, support the royals, right? Well, I'm half Jewish now. I would become full Jewish before I would ever say that I liked the royal family. Really, isn't it? Especially for all the entertainment they give us with all the shite that they keep doing. Anyway, um, I'm going to go. Um, oh, and also my crush, Major Tommy, isn't Major Tommy at all. It's Major Johnny. I keep thinking he's called Tommy because I misheard the first time he was pointed out to me. Um, and I kind of renamed him, but I just think Major Eye Candy will do. He's beautiful. Yay. Anyway, I'm going to go. Have a nice time in L.A. when you get over there for Halloween. Have fun. And um, you need to get Steele back on the show soon. I'm missing him. He makes me laugh. And I feel like I need a bit of a winter, the beginning of winter dose of Steele to keep me going. Anyway, Love you both. Have fun. Speak to you soon. Bye. Oh, it's always good to hear from you, fake mom. And she just got a good idea. Maybe we should get Steel on when you're out here uh, for Halloween. I'd love to find out what Steel does on Halloween. Speaking of Steel, so uh, I've been adding everyone back on Facebook. And I added Steel back. And it was the fucking day that Antonio uh, Anoki-san died. So I sent him a message because I was like, this is probably the darkest day that wrestling will ever see. Because he's probably the greatest wrestler who ever lived. We'll never see another one. Is Steel a big fan? Well, Steel does everything about wrestling. Of course he respects the master. He's the absolute master of wrestling. Well, I'm sure there's some wrestlers that Steel doesn't like, don't you think? Yeah, but I mean, uh, Anoki-san is completely different. Uh, Antonio Anoki was like a hostage negotiator. He basically created wrestling in Japan, and he fought Muhammad Ali. 
My favorite yeah. uh, Antonio quote as well is he said this to Mohammed. He was like, "You should check your fist for damage because when it meets my chin, it will be damaged." It's like, yeah, Wait, so he, he barks. He looks like Bruce Campbell. He barks Muhammad Ali. Yeah, like fought him. Who won? I'm going to say it, uh, Antonio. We all know who won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we should have Steel on. Actually, maybe we'll do that over uh, Halloween when you're here. It's a good idea yeah, there, fake steel. mom. You know, I'm wondering how many British mums out there were aroused uh, looking at the soldiers at the, uh, you know, they were aroused by their sense of British nationalism, British pride, and not to mention these, uh, you know, handsome, virile soldiers, you know, holding her coffin. I wonder how many of them, you know, had a quick wank. I don't know. I don't know what the the British soldier uniform isn't as sexy as um, let's say past soldiers in Europe in the nineteen thirties. Mm, yeah, maybe I'm, I I don't quite know what the British soldiers used to wear, but I you know don't they say green. everyone they, they all love a man in uniform? You know, it makes me wonder yeah. actually. Let's just not keep it to women. How many people wanked to the funeral of the Queen? What day was it? It was on like a Monday. You know what? Yeah. Probably a lot more than you think because people went out and got bladdered, didn't they? Because it was an extra bank holiday day for it. So people just went out, especially in Australia. It was like a four-day party weekend for them. So there's a lot of hungover people wanting to cure their hangover with just a quick uh, Jimmy Riddle. You know, it's a weird wank. I think some people probably were like, it's a challenge. I'll see if I can wank to the Queen's funeral. Whereas other ones I think were genuinely aroused, like your fake mom. So I wonder... How many people actually? If you wanked to the Queen's funeral, give uh-huh. us a call. Send us an send us an MP3. I want to hear about it. I want to hear if anybody fucked doggy style whilst they both watched the funeral. I also want to hear about that. That's another good thing. How many people fucked during the funeral? Yeah, it was during like the middle of the day. Babies? Yeah, why not? I, how many babies will be born <laughs> in nine months' time? That would be that would be very interesting. But yeah, I think uh, fake mom, I don't think uh, the funeral convinced Kate Rambo to become a royalist in any way, really. Nothing will, ever. I think they're just a complete waste of time and space. And so, that's why I'm moving to a Republican. <laughs> so wait, if you're, so if your Fuhrer Putin becomes in power of everything and you got to pay taxes to him, will you be pissed off about that as well? I mean, like, I can get behind Putin. That's fine. I certainly won't be moving to America with your <laughs> leaders when I could have, like, the prime rib leader. But wait, so you're cool giving money to that monarch, but you're not cool giving money to the British monarchs? Oh, no. I mean, Putin can take my money and do what he wants of it. He buys horses. No, I don't want to pay fucking anyone, and we shouldn't have to. This is a modern age. We should just have a president, a prime minister, whatever, who is elected by the people who works for the people. The royal family try and make it seem like their bloodline, which is tainted by cousin fucking, is better than the rest of us. And it's not true, and it should never be. All men are apparently not created equal when you're a royal family. Fuck (laughs) them. Said perfectly. Um, you do know, though, that uh, if Putin was the monarch, how else is he going to be able to afford those briefcases if you're not paying taxes? He does not shit in a briefcase. <laughs> He's just 
just as old as Biden. He's probably shitting in diapers too. And if he is got whatever cancer they all claim he's got, then yeah, he's definitely wearing diapers because when my dad was dying, he had to wear them. Watch him when he's when he's like in another country or he's visiting China. He's always carrying a briefcase, and you know what that briefcase is filled with. Mark my words. <laughs> the sh- the shit case. Poop case. Uh, people can call Sigar <laughs> on hotline three two three five five two two four zero three two. Um, once again, big ups to all the people who support us on Patreon. We do appreciate that, and we do try to go out of our way to make uh, you know very uh, uh, customizable content. Very unique content that you can only get on the Sick and Wrong Patreon. I don't think there are any other shows that do Patreon content quite like ours. No, there isn't. Especially, you, know? you can listen. Like I said, there's two free episodes of Overkill up there at the minute. One devoted to Jeffrey Dahmer and one devoted to Nicolas Cage. Could you ever link those two people? I just have. Exactly. All on the Sick and Wrong Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong uh, we do appreciate the support. Also, if you want to buy some merch, we got a uh, T Public store, sickroompodcast.com slash shop. Just click on the picture of the Pope and shop away on the uh, Sigrong T Public store. Uh, finally, here's Sigrong Song of the Week. Got it. We, we, we were trying to find a good, appropriate, topical song uh, for, for this week's uh, show. And That's we came upon this one, which is fairly obvious, but I didn't even think about it at first until we were talking about it. But the country teasers. Um, kind of like, what would you say? They're an art rock band from Scotland. Art rock, Ben's outsider music, band. Uh, outside of punk, I would probably call them. Yeah, I, I would say kind of along those lines. Very strange band, very unique, uh, bizarre sound, uh, but really cool. And this record's amazing. It's their first record, "Satan Is Real Again" or "Feeling Good About Bad Thoughts." Came out in 1996. Uh, the band's from Edinburgh, and yeah, they're great. They're great. So we're going to end the show here with the Country Teasers song, Satan is Real Again. (laughs) He definitely was in Michael Taylor. Uh, People, we'll be back next week with episode uh, 864. Till then, take a sleazy.
I'm Father McFeely. I'm so glad uh, you're here. I came as fast as I could. But at my age, the little soldier needs a lot more thumping before it starts pumping. You know what I mean? You know, I do find, though, if I tickle my asshole just before I unleash the dog okay. of war... I, it's okay. I understand. No, because in the old days... Uh -huh. You know, in the old... How is she? It's gotten worse, Father. Really? She, she won't eat. She won't talk. The child won't even let me touch her. Yes. Sometimes you have to give them candy. 